Welcome to episode five of The Growth Equation, where each week we bring you an inspiring message from a badass human being to help you grow into your fullest potential. And if you find this episode valuable, if it made you change your perspective, if it made you leave and laugh a little bit, share it with a friend. I have a goal to grow this organically to help a million people get a little bit better each day. And I'd be honored if you took part in that journey. So without further ado, I have a good friend of mine here today with me, Mr. Chi Sao. Chi has a very unique story, which I think would be valuable to you as listeners. He spent some time in his younger years being a monk and living away from the Western society. Chi is also a entrepreneur and he is also, I'm not sure, I've ran out of things to say, but he's a hell of a guy. So without further ado, Chi, welcome to the pod. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. You're very welcome. Chi, I guess before we kind of dive into you being a monk and entrepreneurship, why don't you just tell people a little bit about who the heck is Chi Sao? Yeah, sure. So I originally was born in Taiwan. I moved here when I was nine slash 10 around there. And then I've lived in Boston for 11 years of my life before moving down to Orlando in the last two years. And during that time period, I've played around with a bunch of businesses. The arcade gotcha is one of them, I suppose, well, it's just playing around with a bunch of different things. So, so. Car rentals, a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. Car rentals is my new thing. It's yeah. fun. Uh, I definitely want to touch on that. But okay, right on. Yeah. And Chi and I actually met, was that a year ago? Yeah. A year and a half? A year ago around this area also, like at a coffee shop. Yeah. Him and his old business partner came in and we're like talking about building a house or buying a house. That didn't work out. No, and then Chi and I still vibed like, you want to work out or something? He's like. Hell yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And then we just be kind of gotten closer from that. So I guess jumping right into it, Chi, with your background of being a monk, what's the actual term for was, like the, the study of it or like the practice? So it, I practice Buddhism and whenever you turn around 16, 15, you become a monk, whether you're eight or your gender. So if you're male or female, you go through that process. Okay. And... That like I turned 15, 16, and then my dad was like, it's time for you to become a monk and try this out and see how it goes. So it's a week-long process where you would go through everything that a monk would do, where you only eat once a day and then basically pray for seven hours of the day. And that happened for a whole entire week. Yeah. <laughs> so you're 15, 16, probably doing normal things as a high schooler or something. Your dad's like, why don't you become a monk for a week? Yeah, I was actually going to start playing football that season so i went bald and my helmet just didn't fit afterwards <laughs> so that like you terrible so you had to sh- shave your head in order to become that yep so i was trying to get away from shaving my head i was like can i do this without shaving my head they're like no nah, you have to shave your head so you had the full attire on like the gowns the robes and shaved head yep yep okay and for reference you can't see he's fully tattooed now with hair yeah so i'm trying to envision this and it just doesn't look i can't i, I look can't like imagine. a pinball basically walking yeah. around old pinhead that's yeah exactly Okay, so you kind of touched on it already, but what was like the typical day of of being a monk? So we would wake up first thing in the morning. You just stay hydrated. The only thing you can have is just liquids. So you drink water and afterwards you just go straight to prayers, meditation for four hours usually. So I woke up at six, seven o'clock. And mind you, I was 15, 16 doing this. Yeah. I play video games every single day. So doing this was hard for the first two days. And then you basically pray for four hours and then lunchtime where your first meal is, you would eat at around 12 and then you pray for the rest of the day and you just kept doing it. They would do 
usually like stories, prayers in um, Chinese and it was actually in Burmese also were more of stories to teach you about life lessons through like um, that would pass down for generations. And then you just become in a state where you just sit there and pray for seven, eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really cool. I, mean, I don't trying to envision myself sitting and meditating or praying for eight hours at a day just sounds daunting. Like, how do you even do that? I didn't in the beginning, but afterwards you get into like a trance almost where you kind of just be in your own zone, which is kind of peaceful, I would say. Like being doing that at 15, 16 and honestly revisiting it a year ago because I was in a weird place, I would say, spiritually. And then I started meditating again and just grounded myself a lot more. So I was grounded at an earlier age and I was able to, I guess, grow more, mature more at yeah. 15, 16, I would yeah. say. Yeah. So touch on that. I guess like, did you go in then with an, a certain intention of like, I want to get this out of my time of trying the monkhood out? Or did you like learn something along the way? Like what was some of your big takeaways while sitting in essentially your own mind for eight hours a day? I think honestly, now that I remember thinking about it, 15, 16 was when I really got into business actually. So during that time period where I was just sitting and thinking, I guess, I kind of like steered away from, oh, I don't want to just play video games all day. I want to do something with my life. Yeah. So I got into sneaker reselling that day because I didn't want to do that first, but then my dad bribed me with money. So he's like, I'll pay you this much if you do this, even though it was more of a religious thing and you want to do it. And my dad wants to keep that in the um, culture and in the future generation. Mm -hmm. He bribed me, but it was just overall great experience. Afterwards, I was like, I'm gonna make some money. I'm gonna, I like shoes. I never get to get shoes. I might as well try to make some money off of it. And then now it grew into this where I am just working 24 seven, basically. <laughs> yeah. And he does grind, no doubt. So you say, I just to recap kind of what you just said there is spending all of that time in solitude and silence made you realize about yourself like, wow, I really enjoy process of business and the the fruits of that labor, which equals money. Yeah, because um, growing up, I was around my dad pretty often because he would just carry around me because he was working and then my mom was busy working at some points and then my sister was born. So he would bring me along his friends where... He was very business-minded and entrepreneurial also, as he was. So I was absorbing that as a kid at like three, four, up to, until then. So I guess in that period of time where I was just sitting and thinking, I was reminiscing the past and what my dad was doing. It was very interesting. I was like, I kind of like that lifestyle. I don't really want to, because I was never big into school, to be honest. I was good at academics, but it wasn't really for me. I always found other ways to make money and enjoy my time without oh, I got to work that nine to five. I got to go get a job or something like yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Chi, what advice would you give someone who wants to cultivate more mindfulness but struggles with distraction in, in the modern society with everything going on? I honestly think like if you take it piece by piece where like take it slowly, like first thing is just the phone. Your phone is always distracting you. Put that away from you. Like even when you wake up 30 minutes of your time in the morning, put your phone away, do your morning routine without any getting distracted it's the small steps honestly that counts because building a routine or even a morning routine whatever routine you're trying to do it takes time and people try to do like 50 things in the morning at <laughs> yes, once absolutely. it never works out if you do one thing at a time and build up on it you will get to where you want to be and then start doing more and more progressively difficult things from there mm -hmm. but i think honestly the first thing is like get rid of your phone do the timer thing where like you track your screen time to see exactly what you're doing so that you can optimize and everything on that. But besides that, you just got to 
start, honestly. Yeah. So yeah. just take that first step, that first dipping your toe into the water of like trying to live a more mindful life through these daily practices of meditation and groundwork and maybe journaling. Any other suggestions besides cutting phone time? Breath work. I feel like breath work in the morning when you're doing meditation it really helps. If you can get enough oxygen in your brain in the morning, you definitely feel a lot better. Yeah. Can you run us through an example of some of the breath work you've done? I forgot. I'm a bureau. <laughs> okay. Usually it's like, Take a deep breath, hold it in for three seconds while you meditate, and then you let go and you repeat that for, I want to say, 10 minutes or so, and you just keep doing that. You'll get into a trance. I've tried that before. Yeah. And then there was someone on Instagram that I follow, Dr. Something, I forgot, but he's really good at breath works. I feel like you mentioned him before. Wim Hof? Not Wim Hof, but Wim Hof is really good. There's another one. He does um, spiritual things in Orlando and then like Cancun and stuff like that. I have no idea, but it sounds like I need to know who this person yeah. is. Yeah. I forgot his name. It's hard to pronounce, but he's he's known for his breath works and it gets you into like a trance or something like that. Yeah. I can speak firsthand by doing breath work when I did that spiritual trip in California. But what we did is you put your left hand over your chest and your right hand over your stomach and you breathe twice through your nose and then a long exhale through your mouth. Like you're trying to steam up a mirror. So it's... So you're breathing through your stomach at first half, breathing through your chest at the other, and then exhaling through your mouth. And you do that for a period amount of time. I think we did it for 10 minutes and you're over oxygenating your blood and you kind of get like that euphoric high and like you kind of, you just feel completely different. Yeah, it feels nice. It feels amazing. It feels really nice. First thing in the morning doing that, you get a surge of energy that you would probably get from like having caffeine or something like that yeah yeah no doubt very natural very natural well that inspired me and i'm going to start doing that yeah. in the next seven days and i will report back what i feel yeah. after okay yeah cool so for the people that are drawn to exploring their spiritual side chi but may not want to go as the extreme route as being a monk what guidance would you help them or what guidance would you give them to help them on that journey in this day and age, I would say if you're into books, books are really good. If you're into watching videos, if you're a visual learner, go to YouTube. There's definitely a lot of people who are good for offering guidance on that. Or if you are more, I guess, open-minded and everything, you can definitely visit like temples or anything like that mm. throughout a different religion. They're always very welcoming. If you just go in, ask some questions, there might be a language barrier around there, but no matter what, they're going to be trying to get you to know what their religion is or know what they're doing and be very mindful. So as long as you're mindful, they'll teach you everything and it's a good experience. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that'd be beneficial for a person in which I kind of want to transition to here is like you doing all of that work in your past life and some now it sounds like you need to sharpen the saw a little bit. Let's get on your shit, buddy. But yeah. did you feel like that's translated, that internal work has translated to the external world with like fruition of business and like personal goals and stuff like that? Yes, definitely. In the year where I kind of got back and grounded myself, went back to being more religious and everything, being more spiritual, my life has gotten a lot better. Yeah. A lot more grounded, a lot more fluid. Nothing crazy is happening on the bad side and everything's been going on a linear path, I would say. Yeah. So do you feel like it's less of a roller coaster, more of just like a straight yes, line? Less of a roller coaster, less of an emotional roller coaster. Because for yeah. me, before I 
got back to where I was like when I was in my teens, I guess I had a lot of anxiety, like waking up straight anxiety and everything mm. from doing work, stress and everything. But once I started to ground myself a little bit more and then progressively working on that, life's going pretty good, pretty good. Less anxiety, waking up, less stress about things I don't need to worry about, yeah. especially the meditation kind of clears away any like thoughts that didn't make sense that, that I didn't have to think about. Yeah. Thoughts that like didn't that. serve you or exactly, like, why exactly. are you even having those? Yeah. 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 No, no doubt. That's, yeah, yeah that's, I, I definitely relate to that. And I, I feel like a lot of people can also struggle with like that anxiety. And I definitely think scrolling on your phone and just living inside of this little rectangular box plays into that 1000%. Yes. Yes. Whatever you see on Instagram, on social media is never the case. I would say that much. Yeah. I it's mean, yeah, reality. everyone just showing highlight reels of their lives exactly. and like, just small little snippets of the wins, but never the losses. Never the losses. You'll never see any losses posted on Instagram. It's very rare, but some people do. But for the most part, it's always like, oh, this is my lifestyle and everything. This is what I'm trying to portray myself yeah. as on the internet. Yeah, which is why I'm like, I I feel like I relate well to you is because we also do well in business, but we're not just showing flexes of us the entire time. Like it's also like us doing other things too. Exactly, yeah. I like, feel like, yeah, it's like flexing. It's like when you're over flexing, you know there's something going on. Besides like, what are you overcompensating for? Exactly. Who are you to yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. It's just like those relationships where you're posting your significant other so more than you're spending time with them. That's like the closest, I guess, comparison I can find for that. Yeah, I feel like the healthiest relationships are the ones that never post one exactly, another, like talk yeah. about the relationship. Exactly. Yeah. I think I've seen you post your girlfriend that you've been together with how long now? Four years now. Yeah. Or a little bit more than four years. Four years. I feel like I, I hardly hear you like no. post about her, talk about her as you're just like we're good. I don't yeah. need to let the world know what's exactly. going on. Exactly. I don't need to let the world know what my personal life is. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's really rare. And I think other people should maybe try that approach. Just like, no, I think it'll be a lot healthier for people because you're not comparing other relationships to yours. Or right. Anything like that. Yeah. Right. So switching gears here kind of to more of your business, your businesses and your mindset around that. Tell me a little bit about what gotcha is for people that have zero clue. Like I did a couple of years ago. Gotcha. So Gotcha is a claw machine arcade. Right now we have one store in Orlando. We have two stores in Boston, another one opening up in New York and Flushing. It's purely based off of um, a concept in like Asia that's been around for 15 years where you go in instead of like those like retro arcade machines, it's all claw machines and it's all prize based machines where you can win something. And we're different from like something like round one where, because for me, like I used to go to round one with my girl and everything. What's round one? Sorry. Round one is a Japanese. It's the same concept as mine. Okay. But they, you can't win. Like I never win. <laughs> I spend a hundred dollars and I walk out with nothing and I get so sad. Well, yeah. That's a kick in yeah, the pot. Yeah. Yeah. So we focus on customer experience where everybody wins. Like we have a guarantee you spend $25, you're going to get something. Right. Because there's a misconception with claw machines where like everything is rigged. Granted, it is rigged, but we make sure that you win something after a certain amount. Okay. Yeah. So essentially, it's a a large claw machine arcade. And what are they winning? What's like the prizes? They're called plushies? Yeah. So you can win plushies, which just are stuffed animals, or you can win what we have now is like figurines and bigger prizes that we've been getting from different vendors and overseas and everything like that. And for those that don't understand what a plushie is, like I had zero idea being white as hell from america what is a plushie it's like a stuffed animal type thing yeah it's a stuffed animal of your favorite character like even like pop idols and stuff like that things are i guess popular yeah, yeah for example a lot of pokemons are plushies and 
Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Pokemon plushies. There's a lot of like Sanrio is a big one for us. We even make our own plushies also. We have them designed and made overseas. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, right on. So you have two stores in Orlando, right? Uh, one store. I'm moving into a bigger store probably in the next two months. And you're, that's the one you've been building, you've been posting about a ton? Yes. It's going to have like a th- playground and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah. Ta- tell us about that. What's going on on it's there? It's a kid's playground because we saw that there was a lot of kids playing in the front. We're like, we might as well capitalize on that. But yeah. now doing it, I think even my investors are like, this is the last time we're doing this. <laughs> like never again? Never again. Because it costs a lot more. Because for us, the concept is you get a store, you just do like, it's basically like renovating a house, basic makeup, and then put in the machine and get going right away. Yeah. Yeah. So what was kind of like the driving force behind starting Gotcha to begin with? It was a joke. It was a complete joke. that Wait, was brought up. Yeah, it was. Yeah. My friend from um, college was like, you're in Orlando. We were trying to do something down there. And we didn't have anybody you want to start an arcade. I was like, sure, why not? Because I was in the middle of doing another business that I originally moved down here where it didn't end up too well, to be honest. Yeah. Still like touching on it here and there. But yeah, yeah, it was co- a complete joke. We didn't get too much funding. And then I decided to post on TikTok. We blew up a little bit on there. Investors saw that. They're like, oh, you, here's, here's more money. Make this look better now that everybody's looking at it. Mm. So it started as a joke. And then you had a little bit of success at first, but you say that pivotal moment for you was posting on TikTok and getting traction through that? Yeah, because before we were opening, we posted, I guess, a month and a half of the build-out process and everything. So we were able to share that with the customers. They were building a pipe and everything. And on the first week, we had a line, a line out of the store. That's insane. On your first day, you had a line. Holy crap. So I'm assuming... Building like a store team is like extremely crucial to like run the operations. Do you have any advice or like how do you approach your hiring when building a company that like focuses on the culture and empowering your team? Like how do you do that? I guess a big part of um, hiring for this store in particular is the respect that my staff has for me. They know that I do a lot of different things. They want someone to look up to, I guess, in a way where because for me, everybody that I hire so far is around my age. I'm 23 and For the most part, my hires are between 19 to 25. So building that respect and making sure that like, because at the same age, some people are just like, I don't want to listen to you and everything like that. But garnering that has helped me so much because I can be here while my store is running right now. Right. Also, yeah. And not have to stress about anything. And then hiring with the right skill set. Because in the beginning, we were just hiring friends and friends of friends. And that didn't work out too well. But as we progressed, I was hiring people with at least two years of experience in the um in the space that we needed Mm -hmm. or like managerial position where they had leadership skills and everything like that and so you mentioned something about investors what advice would you give to someone who's wanting to start a business but doesn't have the capital themselves and like how to find or how to approach or how to make a a hypothesis pitch deck to an investor any any recommendations there Mm, I guess a lot of it comes to, for me at least, it was a lot of numbers showing that the projections and everything. But on top of it, like I said, this store was a joke in the beginning until it wasn't. The investors that I usually work with are action-based, if that makes sense. Like they want to see- What do you mean by that? They want to see the store doing well physically. Like customers going to store, interacting, looking for, like being happy rather than looking at a spreadsheet and everything. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which in my opinion, because I don't have a ton of experience working with investors, mostly real estate driven, but they're like the polar opposite. Like I feel like 
when I picture investor, I hear like a bunch of dudes in suits looking at like a spreadsheet with a bottom line, like what's our ROI? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work with more of Chinese investors where they want to see it doing well physically because they don't really understand like spreadsheets and everything. They're very old school. And that was honestly a big hurdle for me to go through in the beginning because I have these numbers and everything. The store is doing well. They come in the store. There's nobody at the store. They're like, are we actually making money? Yeah. But at the end of the day, we were. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly you are if they're wanting to invest and build a second one. Exactly. What does the future of Gotcha look like to you? Uh, we're looking to explore into getting in, in bigger major cities like Texas, like Houston, Dallas, California, definitely. I want to get into Seattle also. I think that's a good demographic. And honestly, anywhere, because I feel like the Asian subculture of like anime and like K-pop is growing so fast. It's yeah. very similar to like the boba hype and the cape right. barbecue right now. And it's moving towards the entertainment every day. And do you foresee like ever going as like a franchise option and like selling your your brand and patent to other people to open stores? Yes. So we're working on franchising for next year. Right now we're still trying to solidify our like major stores and everything. And then moving from there on, we'll be franchising very soon. We get asked about franchising all the time. I would imagine so. Yeah. yeah it's like, a cool business like model. Like four or five inquiries a week at the store. Oh no shit. Yeah, they just, they just walk in and like, yeah, I want to like, buy this yeah, business they're model. Like, I like this. You have your manager here? I'm like, yeah, I'm not You're here. Like, I am him. <laughs> yeah, I am him. Himothy. Yeah. Like, they look at me funny. They're like, really? <laughs> So, and this may be too personal if you want to move on, we can, but like, what is the average gross revenue you guys do a year? I can give rough numbers, but I can't say too much of yeah. it. I want to say mid six figures. Or yeah. yeah, that's amazing. And you've been in business, what, two years now? Oh, I'm in a month. I'm sorry. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. That's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Give or take. And then we've been in business for a year. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. You're in it business for a year and you're doing mid six figures yeah give or month. take sometimes yeah. yeah on a good month we would do somewhere around there but yearly it, it does well it's a good business yeah no kidding it's dude. a fun concept you guys looking to hire maybe i'll get another gig here no nah, come do it let's go <laughs> well that's awesome i guess kind of wrapping up on your gotcha and your your vision with that what is one particular like failure or something you guys really struggled with early on that taught you a valuable lesson that you think would help other people in their entrepreneurial journey um, having a strong internal team, I would say. Communication was a big thing. Like I said, I have a lot of investors that are Chinese. The language barrier didn't really help with previous partners, which led to some separation and everything. But besides that, just trial and error and just going through it like good old entrepreneurship, you know, yeah. can't quit. In the beginning, it was hard and it was rough, but as you, you just got to keep moving forward and it gets better and better. Your advice to someone that's starting a business or a brick and mortar would be to focus on the internal team and your systems first and then go ex outside of that? Yes. I want to say like, you can't really always focus on like one part and get a hundred percent. I'm always like, get it to like a 60% capacity, move yeah. on to the next thing, 60% and then work as you go. Well, so you're going to be stuck in one place. You're never going to be moving forward because I'm more about optimizing rather than like completion almost basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So doing it in that favor, like it will bite you in the ass if you don't do it correctly, I would say. But besides that, I think that's that's the way I move forward with most of my businesses also. Businesses, plural. Is there, businesses, yeah. what other businesses are you into right now? I mean, I have like my consulting thing that I do here and there, but the the rental cars. It's Go like, on. Yeah, it's the fun, fun little thing where making your um, liabilities, your cars into assets where it generates you income by paying your no and then plus, and then you got just what's whatever. 
but you get to drive nice cars. Like I have five right now. You have five cars? I have five cars right now. Can you name them off or if the car people in this, in yeah, this video? Yeah, so I have a, uh, my daily is an X6M. It's a nice little SUV. I have an M3, a C63, a Model Y, and then I also have a minivan. Yeah. yeah don't sleep on the minivan no, baby that thing's really fun yeah. belly bumping let's go exactly okay so someone would buy a car and they would take it to you and then your company would rent it out for them on their behalf is there anything else they need to do uh not that's basically yeah. all of it as long as it fits our criteria we decide to split and everything because we have a list or the company's called rice motors and if it is in the rice's approved list then you get to have basically the full amount of the split because we can guarantee basically that that will do well based on the numbers that we are doing with our cars. But if it's like you bring me a, I don't know, like a moped a or a moped or a Kia, so I can't guarantee you like <laughs> yeah. your note or anything because nobody might like want it because it's a Kia Soul. I have to think I guess. Hey, no offense to our Kia Soul drivers or anything. I, I but... hate Kia Soul. <laughs> I got robbed in a Kia Soul. Those before. fucking like commercials with like hamsters hanging out yeah, of them and shit. I hate them. Hate yeah. them. That's hilarious. Okay, so you do a little bit of everything, Mr. Zero Entrepreneur. Is there is there any other business ventures that have your attention or any other ideas that you are working on right now? Right now, honestly, just the cars. Cars, arcade. I'm trying to get into wash trading, dabbling a little bit into that. Besides that, I think in a year or so, I want to get back into real estate more heavily, investing yeah. into real estate because real estate is always the future. I want a house also, but I don't want to. I know someone that could help you with that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Toot my own horn here. So I'm going to hit you with a rapid fire questions here. Okay. And you can just give me a one to two word response and we're just going to have some fun with it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Favorite business book. Favorite business book. What's one of Alex Ramosi's book? I forgot what it's called. Isn't it Million Dollar Offerings? Million Dollar Leads? $100 million offer. There you go. $100 million offer. offer. Okay. Yeah. That'd be your favorite right yeah, now? Yeah. That's my favorite. Favorite success quote? Favorite success quote? Don't have one, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Favorite business role model? Favorite business role model? Alex Ramosi. Okay. Yeah. Favorite gym partner? Layton Hope. Boom. You heard it here first. <laughs> okay. That was fun. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, Chi, where can people find you? How can they connect with you if they have interest in Gotcha, if they have interest in Rice Motors, if they're interested in getting to know who the heck you are, where can they connect? Instagram is probably the easiest way you can get connected with me. My Instagram is my first name, Chi, Chung Sao, uh, J-U-N-G-T-S-A-O. You'll find the ads to Rice Motors and Gotcha over there. Instagram is honestly the best way to connect with me. I usually answer my DMs unless you're being weird. <laughs> but uh, besides don't that, be weird, yeah, guys. don't be weird. Don't be weird. Yeah, any questions, I'm always open ears to hearing anything and helping people out. And final thoughts or reflection based on today's conversation. Any final words? Honestly, just keep grinding, keep moving forward. I know everybody's saying like right now it's a recession and everything, but that shouldn't be a hindrance to what you want to do. Every day is a day that you can start, so you might as well get going with it. Why not today? Yeah, why not today? Well, thanks for tuning in to episode five of The Growth Equation. Once again, this is Chi Sao, and I hope to hear from you soon. Thanks.